Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Hook Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I am Alex Burr, once again, joined by my great friend, J.D. Hall. JD, in the tradition of throwing curveballs when you expect a fastball, it's a little bit of a heat wave going through Indiana right now, where I am in Indianapolis. It is supposed to get up to about 100 degrees today. I don't know how hot it's supposed to be up by you in northwest Indiana, but what is your best idea for staying cool? We had 100 yesterday. <laughs> so <laughs> you got any you got any tips for the listeners if they are in Indiana or not to stay cool during the heat? Um, stay hydrated. That's the number one thing. You stay hydrated. And outside of that, if you if you uh want to lose weight, it's the time to go walking. That's it's very the true. Time to go walking. That you is don't very even true. Have to walk that far, but it's the perfect time to go. Hey, you know that's that's true. My um my tip for staying cool is stay in the fucking side. Um, <laughs> I hate the hot weather. I am a furnace. During the coldest of weather, I give off heat. So I do not like the heat like this. I would prefer it be in the 70s. But hey, you know, it is what it is, right? At least at least the for once in Indiana, J.D., the weather is seasonally appropriate. Man. Uh, I don't know. I love the heat so much. Like, I just love, I love the summer. So I don't feel like bad about about when it's hot now when it get cold then it's inappropriate it's so disrespectful when it's cold you know i never heard it described that way but i i like it let's let's move on on that note so um in case you missed it caleb and i talked about game three of the finals jd and i last talked after game i think immediately after game two mm-hmm. so jd and i haven't talked in about a week and a half so since caleb and i talked about game three we're not going to talk about game three we're going to talk about game four and five. We're going to tack some stuff on at the end. We don't really need to talk about that Denver, Oklahoma city trade because it's pointless. Yeah. Um, there's not much to glean off of that other than real quick, JD. I think you and I both agree next buyout season, Jermichael Green's the most valuable buyout candidate. Cause that man is a very good basketball player. And I think he's been misused literally everywhere he's played. <laughs> Yeah, I think Memphis gave him too many minutes. The Clippers didn't give him enough. And Denver didn't put him in the right sets. Exactly. Exactly. So enough to Michael Green talk. Let's go ahead and talk about the finals. So game four, the Warriors won 107-97. The Celtics were up 2-1 heading into the last two games. They are now down 3-2. Game five. Warriors won 104-94. Two very different victories for the Warriors. Let's start with game four because holy shit, what a Steph Curry game. Um, Steph Curry in game four, 43 points, 10 rebounds, <laughs> 7 of 14 from three, 14 of 26 from the field. Buoyed, I'd say a dead Warriors offense. Clay came alive in the second half a little bit. Yeah. But Clay was not. Like in the first half, Steph did most of the damage. Steph and Wiggins, and then in the second half, it was Steph and Clay. So, JD, what was your thoughts watching Game Four and watching Steph go absolutely apeshit? Um, MVP. I, I I just felt that energy come alive from Steph. Where he knew it was a must-win game. It's a legacy game, and it was one that he just couldn't let Golden State lose. And you know, like any leader. He need he need his uh his guys to come support when they can. And I think every time he needed them to, they showed up just like every time they needed him, he showed up. I mean, Wiggins, 17 and 16. This, this is one of those times where you just had to sit back and think, wow. Andrew Wiggins has been the second best player. And not just the second, like He's been the most effective, like, regardless of how great Steph is, Andrew Wiggins has been the most effective player because of the both sides of the ball. Uh, and then he's not fouling as much. While guarding Jason Tatum, he's not fouling as much. 
he's been their best rebounder um, in the games that they won. Um, even with Clay, Clay chipped in with eighteen. Clay got that third quarter rolling um, with with Steph for them. Um, Jordan Poole came up in some timely buckets, very timely buckets for them. And I think really all, all you can say is, man, Steph wheeled them to that victory and they knew exactly what they that he needed from them. And they stepped up when they when they had to. But Steph carried them. Steph was amazing. And there was a lot of times game four, the Celtics like I think, J.D., you and I would both agree. Celtics were just basically daring everyone else on the court or they were shutting down everyone else on the court and daring Steph to beat them. Right. Yeah. I would say that that was their strategy for the first four games and game four. Steph was like, fuck this. This is my team. This is my series. And he took control of the reins. Wiggins we will save more Wiggins talk for game five, because to me, he was the story of game five. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll talk more about him later, but in game four, Really, this whole series, what I'll talk about for game four, Wiggins, is his rebounding. When he grabs rebounds, he grabs them with force, right? Yeah. Slams the ball together with his hands. And he's strong. He's stronger than probably, I would say, everybody else out on the court, including probably Draymond and Looney. Like, he is just ripping rebounds away from people, controlling the defensive glass. And when he tries, he hits the offensive glass really hard. Game four. Oh, man. That's that's where I think a lot of it came from in game four, because that was leading to a bunch of second chance threes. Mm-hmm. Game four, they had 16 offensive rebounds. Boston, there's two ways to beat Boston, in my opinion, right? In Like in the first four games of this series, their half court offense was basically unscorable against right like you couldn't score on their half court offense so you either needed to get the ball out in transition via turnovers or you needed to kill them on the offensive glass they had 15 or yeah they had 15 turnovers in game four which is the first time i think they lost a fewer than 16 still 15 is a lot (laughs) and six from tatum and then they killed them on the offensive glass If you want to do the math, J.D., they had 16 offensive rebounds and they forced 15 turnovers. That's 31 extra possessions. Yeah. And the Celtics lost by 10, right? That and game five. Well, again, game five is its own thing. But you can't give the Warriors an extra chance, (laughs) especially when Steph is playing as well as he is. I I don't think that we're going to talk much about pool. So I want to say I really like the energy he's given them, right? Like, Oh, yeah. Shot in the horn. Like there was that time in the first, I don't remember what quarter it was in, but in game five, they were targeting pool, right? Like they were posting mm-hmm. on Marcus smart. They got a lot of good looks out of that, but pool will give you like 10 points in three minutes. And that's all he really needs to do because you just need a shot in the arm, right? Mm-hmm. Something to get the pressure off Steph. That's like he only had, did. he only had 14 points the last two games, JD, but his shots were timely shots. And when you hit multiple threes, that can shift the momentum of a game. Yeah. Yeah, and and as you said, they were targeting him. And one thing I love that Steve Perry did was, I'm going to use him in the winding down minutes of these quarters. I'm going to use him in these winding down minutes of these quarters and let him be him. And that, come on now, it was a pool party. I don't care if it was for only like 10, 10, 15 minutes. Them was some of the most exciting that you had. Like it was like every time he he touched the ball, I was like, he about to make a good play. And he and that's what he was doing, even when he wasn't scoring, just making the right pass, just being a threat and understanding that he's a threat. Man, Jordan, Jordan Poole, he he's been phenomenal these last couple games. I gotta I gotta say something. Cause I know Caleb hate this guy. Because he's not as good as he once was. These last three games, Clay Thompson has been there for Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. He has showed up for Steph Curry. And last game, he was a huge part of it. Because if it wasn't for him, the backcourt wouldn't have made any threes. <laughs> the backcourt wouldn't have made any threes if it wasn't for Clay Thompson. So but JD, you- he pushed off on Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart. No, I'm joking. That was a very clear flop. 
however you want to call it, it's market smart. Uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what more to say, man. These guys, they, they just, they a machine, man. Like they, they're the new San Antonio Spurs. They're the new San Antonio Spurs. The only difference is they kept the they 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 superstars were all superstars at the same time. <laughs> so they got to dominate together. Uh man, it's what they say uh, after 2019, the dynasty not over. And I think it I think win or lose, we see that right here, right now. Cause they only gonna get better. I, I don't think they're gonna get worse. Well, Draymond and Clay, my uh, Clay, I think will be better next year, but he's getting up there in age. I think Draymond is slowly falling off a cliff, but yeah, he could be a great he, mentor for Kaminga, though. I can see sure, Kaminga doing outside of the passing of Draymond. I could see Kaminga filling in everywhere else. I could see that too. And Moody, I love Moody coming out of Arkansas. Right? I thought he's a really good player. He could fit in really well, and we saw that in the conference finals. Moody was giving them really good minutes, and you hardly see that from nineteen-year-old rookies, right? And you know, Toscano Anderson, if they keep him around, he could be a real cog in this machine. They have a lot of good pieces going forward. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you: Is this the best Steph Curry finals game you can remember? I think it might be easily. And I mean, it was I, a career high. It was a career high. He absolutely came up every single time they needed him. And he played good defense. He got some timely steals. Like I remember one play where he, he went down there. He, he completely committed to helping and he stripped, uh, Tatum, the next no, he stripped Jalen Brown. The next play, Jason Tatum threw it away to him, and both times Steph came down and made the right play. And then it was another time they were scrambling for the ball. Steph waited. You, I think it was behind Tatum again. Tatum pick it up. Steph right behind him, stripped him, and they went the other way. I totally like, and Steph did that on the road too. It is so yeah. much harder to do that on the road at home, right? That's, That's where a lot of about the... them Golden State boys. I know we've been raving about Boston on the road. Golden State has more years killing mm-hmm. on the road. Every when we think of most of their big games and big shots, they're on the road. We you don't get Clay games. Game we, don't six. Get, we don't get games since Clay in Golden State. Outside of 2019, the one year, one time he got hurt. Every other time, they have been on the road when we saw games since Clay. Every, every, every other time. I mean, last round, we got game five, Clay. Were they in Golden State? Yeah, they would have been. Because yeah, uh, Dallas they, would have they, been the fourth seed. Yeah, yeah, they, they was in Golden State. We got game five, Clay. That, that's the one that might be the home player, but the away player, game six, Clay. Yeah, um, Steph Curry. We know the most famous bang versus OKC. Where was that at? In Oklahoma City. When I'm telling you, when 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 Steph said, uh, "Don't play with me. I'm that one." They was in Houston. This is what these guys do. When Clay made big shot, um, in Game Two versus the Raptors, they was in Toronto. That put the game away. This is what these guys do. Boston, this this um postseason, they've been good at it. But y'all going against people that this is who y'all groom to want to be like on the road. This is well, not groom. This is who y'all aspire to be like on the road. Cause they have years of taking people heart. For sure. I mean this postseason, right? They won game seven in Miami. The Celtics did. They won game six in Milwaukee when Giannis came out like it, Giannis came out basically. He was a for all, mad man. For all intents and purposes, I'd say that game six in Boston, JD, given the circumstances, was as probably as good as game six in Phoenix. Or not but were they in Phoenix? No, they would have won in Milwaukee. Um game six against Phoenix last year. I would say those two performances from Giannis are pretty comparable, all things considered. And the Celtics came out and they withstood that massive punch from Giannis, right? 
But that experience thing is so true because the Celtics have Celtics Loki have been doing this for a while. Right. But this is their first time getting to this big stage. Exactly. They, they made it to the conference finals. What they made it at 18. They made it in 20 and this year. Right. In 19, they made the second round. So this team has been going through playoff battles for a while. This is the first actual one where I think their backs are really against the wall. Because even against the Cavs in 18, I don't think they knew their backs were against the wall until it was game seven and LeBron was like, fuck this, I'm the best player. (laughs) You guys don't stand a chance against me. And I have a lot of criticism of Tatum and Brown. I think we should just save those for a big... Like, when we talk about game five, I think game four and five, they showed a lot of the same struggles. Um, But the Celtics... I'll say this, their half-court defense executes at a remarkable level every single time, right? There was one play coming out of halftime, I think it was game five, where they forced a shot clock violation just because their switches were on point, their rotations were all on point, they fought over screens, Yeah. but the offense I don't think has that same level of precision. And that's been a huge problem with Boston. It's like, they don't have a, tr- like Marcus Smart has done a good ro- point guard cosplay, right? He's been about as good of a point guard as you can be in that system, in that system without being that good of a ball handler or a decision maker. Really? He's doing a good job given the circumstances. I think 29 other teams would not make him their point guard. So you have that scenario where you don't have a real point guard to get you into your sets, right? The, the warriors have, if you want to be technical about it, they have Steph, (laughs) they have Draymond, and if they want to, if he plays, they have Iguodala. Yeah. Iguodala, for all intents and purposes, is a point guard, too, at this point. It's, what's funny is the little minutes that he get be so good. The little minutes. <laughs> if Iggy played five minutes total this playoffs, I mean, this finals, they all probably in pluses. He's he just been playing like it's crazy, like Steve Kerr know how to get the little bit that he can from each and every one of these guys. Even though Draymond been trash. Draymond still finished game four with, I think, eight assists and nine rebounds. And it was like, for you to have been terrible, you was a little bit of good. I mean, game. that's actually a thing we should talk about is that Kerr bench Draymond. <laughs> the first three quarters, Draymond was terrible. And he comes back in the game, hits Looney for that layup, right? He does a lot of other good stuff when he comes back in, in the fourth. But JD, you know I'm not afraid of criticizing Steve Kerr, right? You know I'm not the biggest fan of his coaching style. Mm-hmm. I think that was probably the ballsiest move he's ever done. Because <laughs> Draymond is, for all intents and purposes, the leader of the team. And he just was like, you're not playing good enough. And I've heard someone say that I think Toscano Anderson and someone else on the bench calling Draymond down, telling him like, dude, you played like trash. You deserve this benching. And we saw Draymond come back out, JD. And I thought Draymond in, at the end of game four made a huge impact in yeah. helping the Warriors put it away. And he came in. He seemed a lot more focused way more humbled. I didn't I don't recall him even arguing when he came back. It, it just seemed like something mentally shifted. And that's what you want to see from Draymond, like him having the presence of mind to be like, oh shoot, I was bad. Let me finally do some good stuff. And to be clear, on defense, Draymond's always executing, right? Uh-huh. The problem is all, with him is always going to be offense. Is he giving you enough on offense? And to switch to game five, I'll start with Draymond. Draymond came out strong, right? I think he had eight points in the first quarter and a half. He didn't score again the rest of the game. But I knew it was going to be bad, JD, in game five when I saw them pull out the fake handoff. And I think that <laughs> actually that goes into something I want to say. So, it's this tweet from at Baltedge Hoops on Twitter. I thought this tweet perfectly encapsulated my thoughts. Boston changed their scheme on Steph, and he ended up having the worst shooting night of his playoffs, and yet the team's offensive rating was the second highest 
with him on the court for the series. Scheme change allowed everyone else to get easy shots. Yeah. Celtics started double teaming him, right? So Mm -hmm. Draymond fakes that handoff, gets to the rim for an easy dunk. I don't feel like we haven't seen that play with him since they were in Toronto, like since they played Toronto, right? Where he gets the easy lane and the dunk. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of those times when he did do that, he was going up against Derek White. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, and he was driving hard. He had that little floater on Derek White. And I really, I thought the biggest beneficiary of the Celtics scheme change was Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> we, we hinted at him in game four. He played amazing in game four. Game five, <laughs> he was incredible. He had 26 points, 13 rebounds. A steal and a block, two assists, 12 of 17 from two. Now, he was 0 of 6 from three, but JD, he was doing so much work. This The Warriors as a whole shot terribly from three. They shot mm-hmm. nine for 40 from three, which is below 25%. I'm not doing the exact math. It's between 20 and 25%. That is horrible, but Wiggins dominated the in-between game, and he was hitting crazy floaters, right? Like, he was hitting tough fadeaways like that's where his Minnesota skill set JD I thought it finally showed through right because he was allowed to be himself like the old Wiggins and he had those skills to come through in a massive game at home yeah and I think a big part of it was um your confidence rises when you know you got a mismatch and he knew every time Steph got doubled he was going to be looking at Either Al Horford, he could blow back. Derek White, he could shoot over. Marcus Smart, who's going to be late on rotation. Or Tatum or Brown, who's also going to be late on rotation because they got to stick to the shooters. So it was pretty much Wiggs shooting over Derek White or going around Horford. Oh, and Robert Williams. He went around Williams too, and it and you take that, you take those eyes when you know the type of athleticism he has. But you know what surprised me? He wasn't showing athleticism. He showed the touch. He 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 proved to have a, a soft touch in all those areas that he was attacking from. And then when he did do the dunk, I was so happy. I said, "Finally, this is who I want." This is the Andrew Wiggins we know. And I mean, hey, you 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 gotta you can't help but love it, man. You, can't, he he- that, you can't help it. When he threw that dunk down, JD, I thought, huh, the series might be over. Like so emphatic. It was so emphatic. He just yammed all over him. And what you're saying about his people who were guarding him and him realizing he had the mismatch is so true because it felt like he was torching Horford every single time. It felt like he was torching Williams, Rob Williams, every single time. And Rob Williams, like theoretically is someone who can guard the perimeter like that. Maybe if he's hundred percent healthy, he can, but what else do I always say? JD, if you're out there playing, you can't really use the injury card. No excuses. Like no excuses. You're out there playing. That's what Dwayne Wade told Jimmy. Mm -hmm. No excuses. And listen, Wiggins, (laughs) 42 minutes too. He has played so many minutes, right? He barely comes out of the game. He is always guarding the other team's top player. Always. The fact that he has enough energy and reserve to put up 26 in a must-win game, probably not probably the biggest game of his career so far. Mm -hmm. He... I think it was fair to wonder, J.D., going into these playoffs, would Wiggins step up to the challenge, right? Like, would he shrink from the moment? Because I think that's what we all said. And to be fair, I think the question might have been a little silly because we saw last year in the play-in games, he was probably, uh, not probably, he was their second-best player then, too. I don't think anybody took it seriously because it was a play-in. Mm-hmm. But he was their only other guy against the Lakers who could consistently get his own shot. And then he did pretty well against Memphis, too. So... He is a guy that the Warriors bet on. They bet on him being a guy they could rely on, and they won the bet. Yeah. Right? They emphatically won that trade with Minnesota. Like, <laughs> if they just did Wiggins for Russell straight up, they would have won the trade. But to get Kuminga out of it, <laughs> yeah, that um, might be like. Have you ever like seen how the Celtics got um, Kevin McHale? No. Nah. 
They got Kevin McHale. They traded. Um, I think the Celtics ended up with the number one pick one year, and they traded it to Golden State for the number three pick and Robert Parrish. This might be robbery on that level. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where that's insane. It was just honestly like the Warriors thought they were getting a good player. The Celtics got back two great players and the jury's still out of Kuminga, right? We don't know if he'll be great. All the signs are pointing to him being at least a very good player. Mm-hmm. Wiggins is a star in his role. And that's probably the, probably the ultimate thing you want. If you're not an actual star. Yeah. And be, he be great at what you do. Exactly. And I mean, JD, he, I just felt like too, I thought Wiggins, what were the biggest areas of concern when he was in Minnesota, right? He didn't hit the glass and his off ball defense was terrible, right? Defense was terrible. Defense in general, but particularly he fell asleep off the ball. Like he was just hard. Right. And I rewatched game five, JD. He was all over the fucking place. He was trapping at the exact right time. It felt like it was five of them. Exactly. He was trapping at the right time. He got a couple blocks from behind and he's so long and it's just so nice to finally see this all come together for Wiggins. Yeah. It was fair to question him when he was in Minnesota, if this would happen. But now JD, I, he, we've been saying it, but by far their second best player, it's not really close. No. And and I honestly, if he wasn't playing this many minutes, I think he'll make more threes. That's why every shot is, is short. Every shot Mm -hmm. has been short, which goes to say, that's also impressive because if if he played maybe two less minutes, he probably would give you one tonight. Like he probably he probably but he he playing north of forty minutes every game, and he's still putting up that kind of production. It's like you can't you can't criticize what he's doing because he's just been that good at what he's doing. He's been great. He's he has- been great. Has been very great. That is undisputable. And Curry was not very great. I mean, he was pretty good from two. He was good in a lot of other areas. The first time Steph Curry was held with a three since the beginning of the 18-19 season. (laughs) And like we were said, like the tweet said, JD, the Celtics were going all out to take Curry out of the rhythm from three, right? Mm -hmm. And for the most part, he was. He was short. Like when he was open, he was shooting short because he was having to shoot. We know Steph can shoot from like 35 feet. Doesn't mean he always wants to. And I thought the Celtics were doing a good job making him shoot farther from the basket, making him rush into pull-ups almost. Yeah. And like, I thought they took him out of the threes very well, but Steph also shot seven of 13 from three or from two, excuse me. And he ended up with 16 points despite going 0 of 9 from 3. And JD, I just feels like Steph, <laughs> even in a bad game, Steph is still the most impactful player on the floor by far. Oh, easily. Easily. And it's, it's not close. Just because uh, it's the fear of what he can do to you sometimes can seem a little irrational. <laughs> but you have to understand, like, like even, like even with Clay, they've been all on Clay because they haven't been wanting him to get any spot up threes or any threes in general. These guys can shoot terrible, and they still make you feel them. And cause Steph can shoot the way he can off the dribble, you gotta throw a second defender, and because Clay. Is like the most lethal spot up shooter in history. You have to send somebody running at him. And what does that do when the first two plays you trap Steph, you catch Draymond on the uh, little lob from him, and he look at Clay. Now you got two eyes going at Clay. Somebody got to recover from Steph. You got two cutters for Golden State, and one is either running towards the corner and one coming to the hole. Who are you going to decide on? And that's what, and that's how Draymond eats. That is how Draymond eats. That is how Golden State eats. Because you're going to get so tired of that happening. Now you're going to stop uh, doubling stuff. You're going to play drop, and he's going to flag you down. 
And if you don't, now y'all got to sit there and deal with all the rotational passes. And if anybody know Golden State, Golden State intentionally passes the ball until they can get Steph for Clay a shot. Right. Like, we see what Gary Payne II did. He had an open three, and he just waited for Steph. This is what they do. This system does not change. They just move interchangeable pieces with players, but the goal and the machine runs the same way. So everything you said, I just 100% agree with, right? They're on cleaning the glass. There's, um, they have half court like efficiency, right? And there's a stat half court points per 100 plays, right? Like how many points did you score per like 100 plays? Celtics offense was in the mud games four and five. Warriors offense game four was 83.9 points per 100 in the half court. That's not good. That's really not good. Game five, them doubling Steph, 95.2. Like, (laughs) you don't need to be a math genius to see, huh? That's a lot better improvement from game to game. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, like you said, it's hard to guard Steph. The Warriors use a lot of the shot clock, right? Yeah. Like to, to go off your point, they don't stop moving. And so when you don't stop moving and you, you know, are passing over and over again, the ball moves faster than feet do, right? That's what coaches always say. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to do that in practice, right? Like a lot of players, it's hard because, you know, you're used to going through your legs, shooting a step back, whatever. Shout out to James Harden. Um, if you pass it, it's going to move faster than you can individually. And if you're moving as well, that it's hard to guard that for 24 straight seconds. Eventually, something's going to break down. And I think that was the flaw with how, like the Celtics, right? For the JD, I think for the most part, we'd agree that their success this whole postseason was shutting off the others, right? Yeah. What games did Milwaukee win? The games where Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez put, or Bobby Portis put in points, right? Mm-hmm. What games? Because Giannis was putting in 35 every night. What games did Miami win? When, they won the game where Kyle Bam, Lowry put. When Bam and Lowry showed up. Exactly. So, as crazy as it is to say, JD, I think their best chance for success might be on defense, at least, might be going back to what they did in game four. Because, but then again, like you're saying, JD, all Clay has to do is hit five threes. And that's 15 points. And that makes it a much more terrifying proposition. I think the Celtics lost this series on offense. Or if you want to make it more emphatic, the Warriors won this series on defense. The Warriors defense is incredible. Mm-hmm. And it, I'm glad they proved me wrong. Because, J.D., you knew I wasn't high on their defense. But holy shit. <laughs> the execution is top-notch. And this is my first, because, you know, we've been kind of skirting around it, criticizing Tatum and Brown. This is my first criticism. Neither of them will drive left. No, they the don't. Warriors, the neither Warriors. Neither does Marcus Smart. Neither I, does Marcus I, I, Smart. I said it last game. I said, all they ball handlers go right. Go Well, and JD, I'm sure you noticed this too. Their defenders were goading them going to the left, right? Like, they're like, okay, we'll give you the left hand if you want to drive it. Only, the person, time- only person who allowed them to go right was Kevon Looney. Right. And that was to go into the help. That was behind him, right? So the one time Jalen did do something going to his left, right? He got into the paint. He didn't even dribble with his left. He just went to his left, gather step, and got a floater, right? Yeah, he, he, he went to finish left. Yeah, exactly. He didn't drive to his left much. He just used his left hand to go to his right. And I think that's all three of their collective problems because they're just like, okay, we're going to give you your left. You're not going to go to your left. (laughs) And I think it's the criticism I have. And it's why I'm lower on them. I think than maybe most, maybe not Tatum, because I still would have Tatum in the top 10, maybe at 10. I don't know. Him and LeBron are fighting for that last spot. Um, Neither of them, at least, you know, LeBron would go left. Right. At least, you know, and if we're talking about um, Brown's peers, right, because I think we both agree Brown's not on that level yet. Like Chris Middleton would go left. You know, Brandon Ingram would go left. Bradley Beal would go left. Right. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to use both hands 
And I think the Warriors, I think Kerr and Draymond and whoever is putting that defense together deserves a shit ton of credit. But also you have to, I think the Celtics players deserve blame for their deficiencies in that area. Yeah. And you want to know something that um, I've been thinking about like the last three games, but I haven't said nothing because I've been wanting to just watch and see if I was right. You know, my biggest thing with Donovan Mitchell, he don't go left, and when he do, he's shooting a step back three. He's going to shoot a jump shot. That has been Jason Tatum. That has been Jason Tatum. Only difference is Tatum is, Tatum is taller, so he could get that shot to go down a little bit better. And I think he's just a better shooter. But yeah. That's who he's been reminding me of every time he's been having to go left. He's been doing a step back three. Although it's going in, you, come on, we want easier shots for, from Tatum. We want easier shots because go to that when you have to. But it shouldn't feel like you have to. And you and literally you dribbling the ball for 16 seconds. Right. Because Boston has, they're not moving the ball as well as they have. Because once they get Steph or uh, or pool on them, they dribbling and trying to size them up, which is allowing extra help to come. And the one thing I can say that Tatum did last game that he needs to keep going to, attack on site. When you get it, go right into what you're trying to do. You don't need to dribble as much. And that's and that, and he had success when he shot over um Jordan Poole on the side when he um got it and Steph fouled him um right off the screen. These are things you gotta do. You gotta take advantage where you can. Like this is why Jimmy Butler did so great versus them. Jimmy didn't wait to, dribbling. He went exactly. He went right at them. Giannis. Giannis was going at them. He wasn't waiting on certain matchups. Like this is what sometimes when you're your offense comes easiest when you're not thinking. When you just going with what comes natural to you, that's when your offense comes easiest. Like as much as we talked about Harden doing that uh side step three, the reason why it it was going down so much for him, cause he was so comfortable doing it, it was easy for him because you were scared of him going around you. So he he perfected it to the point where now you can't stop that. Even to his own detriment, he started relying on it too much. But he's not a James Harden where he could just do that and just perfect it to that to that magnitude. You get it and you go. That like Kawhi Leonard, get it and go. Um, another guy, um, Brandon Ingram. We saw Bi do the same thing. He got it and he went. And to the point now, somebody, uh, I saw something yesterday where they said, who would you take, Jason Tatum or B.I.? And I had to think about it. Honestly, I'm still thinking about it just because I start to think, like, right now, like, B.I. might not be the three-point shooter of Tatum, but I don't think Tatum is as aggressive going to the hole or getting to his spots that B.I. is. So it, you can make an almost even comparison. Tatum get the extra points because of the three. But if we probably look right now, they they probably taking as many shots and making around the same. Tatum just knock it down to three. Ingram is the, the only difference in my mind between Ingram and Tatum, because I think they've both taken steps forward as playmakers this year. Absolutely. I think I, B.I. better. I think B.I. better, though. The only difference for me would be the defense. Tatum has all defense potential. I don't think oh, Ingram does. Much, much better. Much better defender on the ball. I think um, B.I. can grow into being a great help defender. I think so. I think B.I. has, like, really good tools, right? And I think we've seen him... I think his defense was good this year. I don't think it's Tatum good. That's the difference for me. But offensively, yes, I'm taking Ingram over Tatum every single time. Do you want to know what Tatum is shooting from two this series, J.D.? 
Um, let me see. Uh, I usually do kind of decent with this. Uh, high, higher or lower than thirty five percent? Way lower. Way lower. Not okay. maybe not way lower, but lower. I'm going thirty two. Lower. Jeez, I was wrong. Twenty nine. You're close. Thirty point six percent from two. Jeez. He's hitting almost fifty percent of his threes. That um, like that's Composo. <laughs> Composo hits thirty percent of his twos. Composo is probably not going to be in the league next year. I think the Warriors are like I think the Warriors deserve a lot of credit for how bad Tatum is playing. Right, like they're swarming the paint every single time he goes in there. He is shooting over no less than three guys. Right. Everything has been alone, too, if it's not a three. Exactly. And like fading away. I think people took the wrong. So, you know, Tatum really loves Kobe, right? I think that's well established about him. He is just Kobe's his favorite guy. He loves Kobe. I think he took the wrong lessons from Kobe. I think the lessons he took from Kobe are, oh, my footwork needs to be cool. Oh, shooting long twos is cool. No, the Mamba mentality is you are going 100% doing everything you need to do for your team to win. Right. Mm-hmm. And in the first however many minutes of that game, Tatum didn't even get a shot up until he got benched. Right. That's another thing. Tatum got benched in the first couple minutes of the game. I don't think he sat after that. And he was a lot stronger. But Tatum's stats in game five to me are deceiving. I didn't think he played well at all. Honestly. honestly I thought I think how to say this. He hit a lot of meaningful shots that third quarter when they made that run. Right. They 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 outscored him 35 to 24. Uh he looked real well then. Outside of the third quarter, they come off his empty stats. They come off his empty stats outside the third quarter. Because outside of the third quarter, they lost every other quarter. They lost every quarter but the third. So it's like if you take that quarter away, it kind of feel like empty stats because he wasn't as good. But that third quarter, he went off. I give him that. He third, he he was a monster that third quarter. The third quarter, they were finally hitting all the open threes, right? Like Horford got one, Smart got two, he got three, and those were all his points in that quarter. Um, nine points. JD, I just. I really want Tatum to be good, right? Like I root for greatness. I want guys to be great. It just feels like Tatum is missing something, right? Cause we saw how did like to bring it back to Ingram, right? I think he's a really good comparison point because it's not just like Tatum has more beef, like has more meat on his bones than Ingram does, right? Like Ingram's a yeah. string bean, but Ingram can get his pretty easily in the flow of an offense. And Tatum, it feels like needs a circumstance. Like Tatum reminds me of Paul George a little bit and not in a good way (laughs) because we've seen games where Paul George goes nuclear, right? Yeah. But then we've also seen the games. Paul George isn't consistent like that. We've seen the games where Paul George, you know, can go three for 15, right? And I think Tatum has a lot more of those three for 15 games than George ever did. And Again, like Paul you said, George also was able to get to the line better. Exactly. And that's the other thing, right? Oh, also, that's another stat for Tatum this series. 65% from the free throw line. And he's gotten to the free throw line a good amount. He's gotten to yeah. the free throw line 32 times. I think if my math's right, yeah, that's more than anyone else this series. He's getting to the line about six and a half times a game. He's making thir- 65% of them. He made two for six from the free throw line last game. That's not going to cut it. You have to make your free throws. And Jalen Brown also has missed a lot of key free throws. And that's another guy. Like He missed a fourth quarter free throw. Like, even Steph been missing free throws. So, it's like bad for everybody at the line. But if it's any quarter you want to capitalize, it's the fourth. The only guy who hasn't missed a free throw this series, Clay Thompson. Yeah, I, I was about to say because Jordan Poole and Steph both had a terrible free throw night the same night. Yeah, because wasn't it someone missed the tech at the end of the first quarter? 
Steph yeah. missed the tech, Steph and then the tech. was it Pool at the free throw line went one for two, yeah. or was it Wiggins? It might have been Wiggins. I think it was Pool because we know Wiz gonna miss anyway. But at least Wiggs will Wiggs will shoot like seventy five percent consistently, right? Versus Luke, Boston, I, th- <laughs> I think Tatum. Remember when Luca last year was doing way too much and was shooting like 50% from the free, like worse than 50% from the free throw line against LA. Mm -hmm. I think a similar thing might be going on here. I think the Warriors are exposing Celtics, right? And this is how I, I think this is how they're doing it because I think it's safe to say both of us agree. Marcus Smart has been incredible this series, yet somehow it all feels fluky at the same time. Like I told you last time with Marcus Smart, it's all or nothing. <laughs> it, it it's so true, but it just feels so fluky, right? Like you don't trust him to be like Reggie Jackson, right? Reggie Jackson has found a role in NBA as being a pressure release valve for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, right? And he's been great, you know, the last three seasons in LA. And it's funny that um the Celtics really need a guy like that. Yeah. <laughs> they just need someone who honestly, they should have gotten Norm Powell. Like if Norm Powell was so cheap, they could have used a guy like Norm Powell, someone who could just score at will and just take the pressure off. Right. Like, or yeah. go after TJ Warren in the off season. Just somebody I'm, who can I'm get buckets you, for you. If they go after uh, anybody in Indiana, <laughs> I mean, Brogdon. Oh they, God. Brogdon. No, no, no. I don't want it to be Brogdon. I told I told you the point guard. I, I would love for them. I would Who's love that? to see Ricky Rubio. He would be great there. I, I will go get Rubio and TJ Warren. Fan, I mean, fan honestly, a package, fan a package for that, and that way Tatum get easier shots. Brown get easier shots. Um, then if both of them just have an off night, TJ Warren is your third option. You you're winning. Exactly. It's just so so frustrating watching this team because it feels like they beat themselves. But when you say that, you're taking away credit from the Warriors that they deserve. The Warriors are playing amazing basketball. But, J.D., it just feels like the adjustments for the Celtics should be so simple, right? Drive with your left hand, you know? It's it's fundamentals. Mm -hmm. See, one thing Boston um, has gotten away with, with, this uh, postseason, they have been more athletic than some teams. They've been more, they've been longer right. than some teams. They've been healthier than some teams. Um, like even when they was banged up versus Miami, they still came in a healthier team <laughs> than Miami. Uh, and then um, lastly, they haven't really. They they've been so used to shooting the wide open threes, having to just forcefully create your own shot. They've struggled every round doing that, but they've been able to knock down threes, and they haven't been able to knock down those same threes. Like the, remember in game one, I said Boston won't shoot this good again. They haven't shot that good again, and every game they look a little more worse. Mm-hmm. They they've progressively got worse. They sure have. I think a point about the athleticism thing, they usually are the more athletic team, but this isn't an Al Horford series. This is not an Al Horford series. They should maybe start and play him like 20 minutes, but I if think they don't Tatum, play him. He has to play the fast. He has to. He has yeah, to exactly. play the fast. Exactly. I think, I think their best lineup is like this free up space for the other guys. Probably have Tatum, maybe not at the five. I don't think Tatum's ready to play the five yet. Play Grant. Play Grant at the five. Play Williams at the five, or Rob Williams at the five. Like, just something, right, where you're more athletic. Like, their probably most athletic lineup would probably be Smart, White, Brown, Tatum, Rob Williams, or Grant Williams. Yeah, I say to space the floor, because the one person I could say on a team that finds a way to finish at the rim, no matter what, is Jalen Brown. He has a knack for finishing. Mm-hmm. The problem is he loses the ball so much trying to go finish. 
So I would put Grant Williams in there just so you can give him enough space to try to, you know, go finish. Because Tatum going to bail you out. Tatum will find some reason to do a nice jump shot. Even though it like he got one of the smoothest games you're going to find. I love watching how smooth he play, but sometimes smooth, you know what I said about Paul George. He's so smooth, it pisses me off he's not aggressive enough. He has to hit that phase that Paul George realized last year. When Kawhi went out and Paul George became a smooth beast, that's that's the next phase for Tatum. Well, he understand, I can jump over these guys. I can actually go through these guys. Everything don't have to look pretty. When Tatum can step into that type of game, he'll be all right. While Jalen Brown, I think, is is as good as his jump shot look, he needs to take the more Jimmy Butler approach. I'm trying to go at you every time. And then I can knock down the shot. But go right. at them every time. These guys, they got to take two different paths of trying to play. And I think they trying to mesh theirs together and it don't work. Exactly. I, I think that's a perfect way to put it. They should be playing like Kawhi and PG, right? I think that's been the clear like comp- comparison for them. Yeah, but Tatum, Tatum, Tatum game style is so much Paul George. Right. Even though oh, for sure. Be, even though he should be in a Kawhi role. It, he plays so much like Paul George. They taller, they longer, they smooth, the jump shot pretty. It's like everything points at Paul George. And Jalen Brown doesn't handle well enough to be like in that Kawhi class yeah. of guys, right? And that's honestly both of their next step is just learning to get better with the handle. Because once they like Paul George, or not Paul George, <laughs> Paul George is nothing to do with the conversation. Jason Tatum is a pretty good passer already, right? I think he's taking a big step forward that way. What will unlock him fully is because he had a lot of bad turnovers, 10 turnovers the last two games. Because yeah. I think I brought up six turnovers in game four, mm-hmm. four turnovers in game five. Like, and it felt like more. I was like, after the first quarter, I texted Caleb, I'm like, Jason Tatum has so many turnovers. The box score only said he had two. I'm like, there's no way that's right. He (laughs) played like garbage that first quarter. He played like garbage in the fourth quarter. And they both kept driving into crowds, right? Tatum, like, JD, for all intents and purposes, a bad miss is a turnover, right? Like, if you miss and it hits like the, let's just say it hits the corner of the backboard, playing off the rim. Then that's a bad that's a bad miss and that's basically a turnover, you know. Bad pull up threes when you shoot an air ball that's a turnover. <laughs> and there was a lot of that from Tatum in Game Five. I'm, here's the crazy thing, JD. I'm saying all this. I still wouldn't be surprised if they win Game Six. Now, do I think I'm not going to back off my pick? But do I think they'll win the series? Probably not. Like <laughs> I tell you one thing. I'm not going against games this Clay. It's see, it's so tough. Clay going, Clay going for thirty. My other takeaway from game, my immediate takeaway from game five was everything went right. If you're the Celtics, you shot way more free throws than the Warriors yeah. did. Steph it was had thir- a terrible game. Thirty-one free throws to fifteen. You shot double the free throws they shot. Steph was zero of nine from three. Um. Literally everything else was in your favor. Yeah, Andrew Wiggins went off, but if they combine for 40, your guys should combine for, like, (laughs) even in a bad game for Brown and Tatum, they still combined for 45 points. And Marcus Smart gave them 20. You should win that game. And they didn't win the game. And in the Celtics, it's all about the margins, right? It's all about the offensive glass. The Warriors didn't kill them on the offensive glass in game five the way they did in game four. Didn't have but, to. <laughs> exactly. Wiggins wasn't missing. Exactly. Wiggins didn't. He only missed five times from two, right? You were so committed to stopping Steph and you stopped him, but everyone else went off. And I, JD, I feel like I've been a huge Boston believer. I've also been a pretty big Golden State doubter by my own admission. And it's just tough to pick against the Warriors right now because they just look so much like a better team. If I had to pick the way it went, I think the home teams win the rest of the way. 
I think Boston wins tomorrow. I think Golden State wins game seven on Sunday because there's no way they're losing game seven at home. Absolutely none. The way they looked in game five. Yeah. I, how do you let's let's just move on to that and then we'll move. I wanted to talk about Charlotte's coaching news real quick, but JD, how do you see the rest of this series going? Um, close out game. Game six, Clay closes it out. I I think we both could be right. We're both choosing the Warriors at this point, which for the record, I still stand by my pick of Boston in six, but. I mean, they don't have anyone to put themselves to blame for that because losing that losing game four at home is horrible. <laughs> when you reef, when you got home court back, losing that game five is even worse. So JD, let's talk about, I want to talk about the Hornets real quick. Um, they hired Kenny Atkinson to be their head coach. Great move. Uh, so let's just start with that. You like that move for the Hornets? Yeah. I mean, it's better than every other offseason move we've been hearing from their team. <laughs> I, I mean. But, yeah, I, I think it's a real good move. We've seen what Atkinson was able to do with the D'Angelo Russell Brooklyn Nets. And for, for me, I thought that was a successful season for them. But he lost his job because we knew he, he they weren't going to use him to coach Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. So, I mean, I get it. Um, I I love the move for them. I think that he might be able to. You remember how that Brooklyn Nets team had Spencer Dinwiddie looking like he just could score at will. Karis LeVert scoring at will. D'Angelo Russell offense came to him so natural that he look, he was an all-star that year. He was an all-star that year. Um, who else was on that? We seen what Jared Allen defense that he became, and now I think we can we can obviously say he's one of the mo- best interior defenders we have. Um, Jared Dudley actually looked kind of good again. Um, who else was on that team? He made every guy Carroll. He made every guy star in a role. Carroll mm-hmm. played big minutes. Ronnie um, Hollis Jefferson, Joe Harris. Yeah, that, that was the best Ronnie Hollis Jefferson has looked. He's been nothing in his career without Kenny Atkinson. Uh, we found out about Joe Harris because he didn't do nothing in Cleveland. It wasn't until he got under Kenny Atkinson we was like, wow, he could shoot. Why did Cleveland give him away when they got LeBron James? And I think I think he could do so so much good for them because instead of seeing like this the way I picture it, LaMelo, we know LaMelo smooth the way he plays is exciting. That's your D'Angelo Russell. It's going to come to him regardless. Terry Rozier, that's going to be the Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, Gordon Hayward probably moved to more of a Joe Harris role. Um, Miles Bridges, Miles Bridges, Karis LeVert. He's gonna they, these guys gonna be in attack mode nonstop. PJ Washington, a better version of um Dudley. Um, we I gonna, mean, we, you we know gonna, I like the McDaniel's brothers. Yeah, I think I think we gonna see him really get to develop because mm-hmm. I don't think we really got to see what he can become yet. I think he's going to develop a lot a lot more and a lot better. I think Montrez Harold might look good again cuz he looked decent this year with them. I think he'll look I think he may look better with them. Um Plumley, I think we can actually actually I want to see him traded. I but, think he's gone. Yeah. But I want to see him traded, but I I can see him playing well on the Atkinson too. Cause he's a good, he's a very good passer. I think I think Atkinson might find a way to allow him to pass from the interior versus making him do these high passes up top as if he's a he he's he's not Draymond Green. And I'm tired of them trying to. I think that's the way they've been using him, like he's Draymond or Jokic, 
whenever he got the ball. No, let him be an interior passer where nine times out of ten, he's going to be able to see what's going on all around him. And then you can use um, screens up top that lead to curls down low, and you got to choose between either or, and he can make the simple pass or turn around, you know, short floater. Something like that. I, I think Kenny Akasik could do a great job for them. I think he can too. And we left out two guys, JD. They're two first round picks last year, combined to play less than 400 minutes this year. They had like Kai Jones, the center out of Texas, and then Book Knight out of UConn. Yeah, like, I, I honestly forgot about both of those guys. I've honestly forgot about them too. So the young team that needs a proven hand at developing talent. I think Borrego kind of did get a raw deal, to be honest. But that's just, I don't think he and LaMelo got along. You know, yeah. I think, I think him benching LaMelo will be good for him in the long run. But, you know, LaMelo. Yeah. Right now, he I, got that star attraction. And exactly. if we're not getting along, you got to go. Exactly. So it'll be interesting to see what Charlotte does next year. JD, tell other people what you got coming out on Facts and Stats. Um, if anybody um, checking now, I got the support system episode out. Um, on the next one that I'll be releasing in a couple days. It's about all the the world news that's been going on, the mass shootings and the the different things that's been going on. So everybody tune in, check it out. Make sure you check out JD's stuff. He's the best around. Make sure you check out um, Insanity. They'll be back tomorrow. I'm going to be posting this about like 5 Eastern today, so if you're listening to this, you'll definitely have time to listen to Lynn Sandy tomorrow. I'm also going to be publishing um, Zach and Bryce's review of the new episode of Obi-Wan Kenobi. That should be out. That'll be out at the same time as this episode. So if you're a big Star Wars guy, make sure you listen to that. JD, I thought this was a fire-ass episode. Thank you once again for joining me. Almost deaf, brother. And thank you all so much for listening.